Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. So we are on episode 39 today, and I hope everyone out there is doing okay. It's been a rough couple of weeks for me here, personally, just life and I know I'll be better than ever, but sometimes my heart just hurts and there's nothing I can do about it. Plus, the tragedy of the school shooting down in Texas is weighing on me. It, you know, kind of hits close to home because I've got a 10-year-old fourth grader. So my heart goes out to all of those families. I can't even imagine what you're going through. And I wish there was something that we could do about it. We have to stop these school shootings somehow or slow them down. I don't have any of the answers. I I don't want to make this super political at all. And I actually um, can't really talk about it that much. So I'm going to change the subject because I will start crying. (laughs) And that's funny because I really wish people would stop telling me that I can control my emotions. So first of all, I think I'm a pretty positive person. I definitely do have depression, but some people just think that I can just change my attitude to change my day, or I just want to be sad. <laughs> of course, does I mean, doesn't everybody just want to be sad? I, I think that's just a ridiculous statement. And if you're a person who's experienced depression or hasn't experienced depression, I mean, please don't say any of these things to people, to anyone, whether they have depression or not. If life was that easy, or if my emotions were just so easy to change like that, I wouldn't have anxiety or depression. I don't, this isn't something that I would wish on anyone, but sorry, I'll get off my soapbox about mental illness. (laughs) Apparently, some people also have a problem with me being vocal about things like this, but I don't plan on shutting up about it either. I think mental illness is a really important topic. I think it's important that we talk about because we need to get it more accepted out in the open so that we can fix it, so we can help people, so we can do something about it. And it's a cold and dreary day again in Wisconsin. (laughs) There have been a few okay days here and there, but it feels more like April than May. The weather is supposed to be in the 70s this weekend, so I have lots of plans. I am hiking at Devil's Lake, which is really beautiful, and I just need to get outside and enjoy nature and some quiet time to myself. I'm also planning on going kayaking, which will be so peaceful as well. Of course, as long as um, I'm just going on the lake, so hopefully the, the weather cooperates. It's not too windy. I really haven't been able to enjoy the outdoors much. So I just want to take full advantage of this weekend. I'll also probably be reading at my favorite bar up north too, (laughs) but hopefully on an off time because it definitely does get a little crazy on those holiday weekends. And I like people. I like being around people. Just, you know, like to have it not so crazy, crazy with people around everywhere. (laughs) So jumping into the booze, since today we are talking about A Man Called Uva by Friedrich Bachmann. And Uva is a curmudgeon. My drink selection was easy. Sorry, that was a lot of words there that I had to make sure I was pronouncing correctly. So it came out really slowly. But So I happened to be killing time um, before a work event. And I stopped at this new bar to read and get some dinner. 
And on tap, they had Tyronina, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but a, a beer called Bitter Woman. And I thought, perfect. I have this book about a curmudgeonly man and I'm feeling a little down. So a Bitter Woman beer is perfect. <laughs> it's a double IPA and it's a beautiful color, caramel color. Okay. And that's another thing. So talking about pronunciation. So I say caramel, even though it's spelled caramel. And caramel, I think actually sounds cooler, but I'm just so used to saying caramel instead of caramel that it just comes out caramel. And I did actually look up the pronunciation and it is pronounced caramel. That's how it's spelled. And that's how it's apparently supposed to be pronounced, at least according to the one thing that I was looking at it. Great. Now my whole life has been upended by my mispronunciation of caramel. (laughs) Mm, Now some caramel sounds good. (laughs) And I thought it would taste more caramelly due to the color, but it really wasn't. It was like a slightly toasted flavor, but not pronounced. The ABV is 5.75 and it comes in at 68 IBUs. So a little bit higher than what we've termed average, but as a double IPA, that kind of makes sense that it would come in a little bit higher like that. It says on their website that it's said to be fruity and bitter in flavor. And of course, I tasted the bitterness of the IPA, but I didn't really taste the fruity and um, a slightly toasty flavor I did taste. Overall, great beer. And I'll be having it again while sitting in front of a campfire, enjoying the irony of the name Bitter Woman. <laughs> It's brewed in Lake Mills, Wisconsin, and their website was kind of a pain in the butt on a phone. So if you're going to look at their website, I would say look on a laptop or a tablet. Maybe I just didn't know how to work their website, but it was kind of goofy. I did really like the photos of the brewery team, which included Tipsy, the golden retriever. I love businesses that have a resident pet, like bookstores, bars, breweries, auto body shops. I wish my job has had a resident pet, preferably a dog since I'm allergic to cats, (laughs) but you can bring your dog to the brewery too, which is cool. Again, Lake Mills, Wisconsin, but you have to call in advance to obtain permission because they'll kind of tell you if there are other dogs there at the moment, how busy it is, and they'll want to ask you some questions about your dog and how your dog gets along with other people and dogs. Since my summer plans have changed a bit, I think I'll be visiting some breweries in Wisconsin Illinois, Michigan, and maybe some other nearby Midwestern states, you know, just kind of have a weekend where I go check out some different breweries. So stay tuned for more information on this. Getting into the author. So I did look it up. I think I pronounced it Bachman last week, but it is Friedrich Bachman. This is from Wikipedia. Friedrich Bachman is an author, blogger, and columnist. He married Nita Shafty back Bachman in 2009. They have two children. His second book, Things My Son Needs to Know About the World, was based on his own experiences with parenting. He labeled it in a dysfunctional parenting guide and made a deal with the publisher that they had to publish the book in order to publish A Man Called Uva. So I love that, that he was like, here, you can publish this book that you want to, but you also have to publish this other book that maybe you don't want to, but I think is important to publish. (laughs) Bachman grew up in Helsingborg, Scania, Sweden, which I probably pronounced that wrong. He has been writing for the Swedish newspaper, and I'm going to slaughter this one, Helsingborg Stagblad, 
and for the Swedish men's magazine, Moore Magazine. Bachman debuted as a novelist in 2012 with A Man Called Uva. The novel was adapted as a film, which premiered on December 25th, 2015. And it's actually just a Swedish movie. It's in all in Swedish. It has been optioned for an English language movie too, with Tom Hanks as the producer and leading man. So sorry if I'm sounding a little distracted, but there's nobody home except for me and the pug is trying to get in where I'm at. So he's sniffing around and of course causing problems. (laughs) Anyways, back to, um, Wikipedia. So the rights to his book, Bear Town, were bought by Swedish production company Filmlands and is set to be adapted for television, which I think it already is. And I think I might have started watching it. Many of his books have been translated into English. And after his debut, A Man Called Uva was translated into English. It remained on the bestseller list for 42 weeks. Following the success of his first book, Atria bought the rights to his other novels and had them translated into English. I also found this interesting article about Bachman where he talks about his struggles with anxiety and with parenting. There's a link in show notes to this article and kind of a couple that I'm going to talk about. And I love this image of him. He really opens up a little more than what his bios do. And he just seems like a really down to earth person and someone really relatable. He also talks about people watching and imagining how people react to different situations. And this is something that I do. I think it's because I like writing. I'm interested in people and how they can be so different yet so similar at the same time. And I don't know if other people do that as well, but it's something that I do because I want to kind of understand people and their uniqueness as I'm trying to write. Another article I read was a Q&A, which was also about his book, Anxious People. And I love this that he said in the article. This is quote, I just tell stories. As soon as the book is in your hands, it belongs to you. Your feelings about it, good or bad, are your own. And I just love how that he kind of is saying, like he has his own interpretation of things and here's his story and how you interpret that is, is really up to you. So Since I'm going through some stuff and I've read some pretty heavy books lately, I wanted a lighter read and I turned to Reddit for a recommendation and I really got some great recommendations. I love the people in this group that I'm in on Reddit. They just seem like really decent people with good taste. And I picked A Man Called Uva because I had it on my bookshelf and I'd been wanting to read it anyways. And I was immediately hooked. A Man Called Uva is the story of a cranky old man who was recently forced to retire. He's exactly who you'd hate having to wait on as a server or help out at a retail store. You'd be upset to find out this guy was your neighbor. Though behind every personality is a story, and Uva has a story full of heartbreak and trauma. This is from Wikipedia again. Bachman got his inspiration for this book after reading an article about a man named Uva who had a fit while buying tickets at an art museum. Bachman instantly related to this man, and as he claims to be not great at talking to people, he started writing blog posts under the heading, I am a man called Uva, where he wrote about his pet peeves and annoyances. Eventually, he realized his writing had potential for the creation of an interesting fictional character. And I thought that was so cool because I think as writers, 
Um, at least this is the way that I am. You get inspired in just crazy different ways. And I love that this is what inspired him was just this random article that he read. Bachman's writing is easy to read, lyrical, and beautiful. It's not pretentious at all. And I, I'm not saying that pretentious writing is bad, but for what I needed and for Bachman's writing style, he's just so accessible. Though I kept reading, there were definitely times why I wondered this, why this was recommended to me. There are some really sad moments, some that I felt so heartbroken over, but also some incredibly beautiful moments. And I realize what an all-encompassing statement this is that I just said, but if you've read the book or you intend to read the book, you'll, you'll understand what I mean by that statement. That's the other amazing thing about Bachman's writing is you understand exactly what he means. At one point, he writes, Uva is the story of a man who checks the status of all things by giving them a good kick. <laughs> Just this one sentence gives you such an incredible understanding of who Uva is. Another point, he writes, she looks at him in that peculiar way of people who feel both utterly superior and deeply insulted. That might be actually one of my favorite lines in the entire book. And also as someone who has worked in customer service pretty much since I was 15 years old, not only did this line resonate with me, but I laughed out loud. I could clearly imagine this woman's expression. Bachman has this beautiful way with words that I think is really unmatched. Definitely a unique writing style, which I think is why it became such a success. Uva isn't exactly a relatable or likable character either. So if you're one of those people who need to relate to the main character, then skip this book. <laughs> it's as if Uva lives to judge people. He judges people based on their appearance, their pets, their cars, their jobs, basically anything you can think of, he's going to judge people based on. <laughs> he names people in his mind as well. I don't do this, but I think that he's definitely not the only one who does this and remembers people through his own descriptions like the lanky one or Rune's wife, the pregnant woman, as if he can't be bothered to remember their names. This is definitely a personality thing. I don't necessarily think you're a bad person if you do this sort of thing, but I do think it's just kind of funny that with his personality, it's not that he's being lazy or forgetful. It's just that they're not important enough for him to remember their names. Life seems very black and white to Uva, which when I've talked about this type of personality before, I think it makes it very hard for these people in life. Life is not black and white at all. And I think this is exactly why it's hard for their curmudgeonly Uva. Even though he isn't likable, I don't really think he's a bad person at all. I did keep thinking that if I met him in real life, I would be absolutely irritated with him. He would drive me crazy. And I would think correctly that there is one very unhappy man. Because I do think he's unhappy, I feel sorry for him. And my heart absolutely breaks for him. I also love Parvana. Uva's neighbor. She is the type of person who is genuinely kind and good. She sees past the judgmental opinions of people and still embraces them with open arms. She is the kind of person I strive to be more like. I mostly just write people off. <laughs> Sometimes I need to for my own mental health, but I think that it is important to continually show kindness as much as we can for others, despite the impression that we get of them. 
Parvana means butterfly, which seems very fitting for her personality. She's just light and genuine and flits around and just seems like a, just this wonderful person. Uva is derived from Old Norse meaning flaw. I'm sorry, not flaw, awe, fear, edge, which is also an interesting t- interpretation for someone with Uva's character. Uva's wife, Sonia, somehow sees the best in him. And I think this is often true of those who truly love us. No one is perfect. We're all damaged some way, somehow. And those who love us are able to look past our curmudgeonly or depressed or anxious or cold exterior to see the people that we truly are. A few episodes back, I talked about a friend of mine who, um, with her partner, she continues to stay with him despite his often self-destructive depression. And I think it's a really hard path. But for those of us who are loved despite those faults, I don't think those people or we people, because <laughs> I consider myself one of those who have faults that were any less deserving of love. And I don't believe that Uva deserved less than the wife that who loved him with all his all her heart. He seemed to love her, and that definitely makes him more likable. One of my all-time favorite books, Summer Sisters by Judy Bloom, which is totally trashy, but I still love it anyways, and you can't convince me otherwise that it's not fabulous. <laughs> but it has a quote in it that everybody loves a lover, and that's definitely true in Uva's case. Even though he doesn't verbally express his emotions, He makes her a bookshelf for her books, which I think most readers would agree is probably one of the best expressions of love that you could get. Somebody that recognizes your love for books and respects that. Uva's wife, Sonia, and I'm paraphrasing here, believed that every path you end up on in life is predestined and it leads you where you are always supposed to be. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that everything we do is predetermined and we have no free will. I do believe, like I said in the last episode, that there are times that the universe or some higher power is looking out for us. Not really destiny, but maybe a safety net. Honestly, I don't really know. I think the idea of destiny and predetermined events are too convenient, and I think it ignores the responsibility that people have in making choices and the impact on other people that their choices have. Some days I envy people who are so confident in their beliefs And other days, I pity them for their strict, concrete beliefs. (laughs) Though maybe I'm feeling a bit curmudgeonly these days. But things in life aren't concrete, and we can't ever truly know anything. Though, as you continue to read the book, Uva's wife's thoughts on destiny are almost foreshadowing. The other character in the book who steals the show is the cat. (laughs) I am personally more of a dog person, but maybe that's because I'm allergic to cats. I have had a few cats in my life that were really special to me though. And anyone who knows cats understand that they are independent and the more you want them around, the more they avoid you. And the opposite seems to be true as well. So there was this one point in my life, I did not want another cat. I had just put down my cat Banks, and I wasn't quite over losing her. And honestly, I was just sick of cleaning out the litter boxes and I didn't want to do that anymore. I just wanted a break. (laughs) And I'm allergic. So, also, (laughs) another reason I didn't want a cat. But my ex husband insisted. And if that damned cat did not sleep to me, sleep next to me every single night, that cat loved me and, of course, weaseled his way into my heart. But 
I definitely did, was not on board with getting him to begin with. <laughs> the cat that Uva sees every day on his morning walk is almost a representation of all the things in life he can't control. And there are some great message in this messages in this book. One for me is that time doesn't heal all wounds, but it does change your perspective. I don't think you hurt less. You just hurt differently. You learn and you grow as time goes on. Another beautiful message in the book is recognizing the value in other people. It's not just people recognizing the value in Uva and what he has to contribute to the world, but also that Uva recognizes the value in those around him. Uva also has to find the value in himself. After a forced retirement, he feels lost and flounders, but eventually realizes the gifts he has to give to the world. I think in the U.S., for sure, and I know a lot of other countries too, we value people based on their work output. We place a higher value on people who make their way up the corporate ladder. And honestly, I felt this way about myself for a long time too. And I still place a lot of value on myself because I'm able to support myself and my son. I am really proud of that. I also just think it's important to recognize there's more to life than just work and our title at work and that work shouldn't be our identity. A couple of years ago, I left one career for a completely different career. Well, maybe not completely different. It was still kind of in the same field, but it was a it was a career change. And the shift in my workload was exactly what I needed. But it was also really hard for me at first because so much of my identity was wrapped up in my success in my career. And it was a hard shift. And I can understand why it was so hard for Uva to be forced into retirement. He didn't know his identity without that work piece. He didn't have anything to do besides go to work. And like so many other people, I'm sure that I sobbed. (laughs) This was a beautiful book. It was definitely predictable at times, but it's one of those books that is more about the journey than about what you see coming. Overall, I give it a four out of five. Goodreads gave it a 4.36. Other reviews, this book pissed me off royally. Uva is a heartless and seriously mean man, which at face value, absolutely, he's heartless and he's mean. And that's where you really have to look beyond his initial appearance and his initial reaction to things. Someone else said, this is a tale that makes you appreciate life. And I would I would definitely agree with that. I don't know if this was actually the best book for me in its time, if, I, if that was exactly what I was looking for. But I definitely do appreciate life. And I'm thankful for all the small things that make me happy and the things that I have in my life that aren't job. And that's not the main part of my life anymore. There's so many important things and important parts of my life besides just that. The book shows how healing can take place in the unlikeliest of ways. This story is charming, heartwarming, and touching. Someone else said, tough to read based on descriptions of Jimmy and how Uva would have let the cat die. And I kind of saw myself in Jimmy. And so maybe that's why I wasn't offended. There were certain descriptions of Jimmy that I guess were pretty crude and pretty rude. And Jimmy's obviously one of the characters, one of Uva's neighbors. And there's certain things about him because he's overweight. So I can definitely see how people would be turned off by Uva's thoughts about Jimmy. But uh, I'm sure that people think like that out there. And it's 
I don't know. I, w- I wasn't personally offended. I think there's one point where he talks about like the piece of food on Jimmy's shirt. And I was like, oh, that's so me. I probably, you know, have walked around with a, I know I've walked around with stains on my shirt from food, but I've probably walked around with pieces of food on my clothing <laughs> too. And as far as the cat goes, I also hate to be crude, um, but stray cats do die and stray cats do have diseases. Yeah, it's sad. But you can't save every animal. And the cat didn't die. Spoiler alert. And and good thing. The cat did not die. But I can see where some people would be upset by, by that scenario. It's definitely not for everyone. But the consensus on this one seems to be mostly positive. <laughs> so I, I would recommend it. I thought it was easy, good read. And I did really enjoy it. Media recommendations this week. Working Moms on Netflix. So one of my best friends gave me a list of Netflix shows that I needed to watch. And I, of course, gave her some in return, not just on Netflix, but other platforms too, because we talk and I've pretty much recommended most of them on this show, but she doesn't listen. So anyways, this was one of the shows that she told me I needed to watch. And she told me she watched it nonstop when she was going through her divorce. So I tried it and it was just what I needed. It's real and over the top sometimes, but super relatable. And I was watching on my phone with my earbuds and I laughed out loud several times. It is so good and I highly recommend it. I also really needed to get out of the house and keep myself busy. So my son and I went to go see the movie Bad Guys, which is an animated movie. It wasn't exactly what I would have picked. I knew that he wanted to see it and it's based on some books that he likes. And anything I can do to continue to encourage his reading is a good thing. It was cute. I distracted myself and distracted us for a few hours and we had some fun. We might make this movie night a monthly thing. uh, Although hopefully we can see some other movies besides just animated movies. (laughs) Also, the Southern Fried True Crime podcast. I love Erica's voice. And for some reason, true crime is comforting to me. So I've been listening to this almost nonstop. I might have mentioned this previously, but I stopped listening to it a while back and put it aside. Well, I needed a good true crime podcast. So I came back to this and I'm sure glad I did. It's well-researched. Erica has an incredibly soothing voice. She seems like a strong and wonderful woman. And I admire that. So if you're interested in true crime with a Southern touch, this is a good one for you. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at don't read drunk. Email me at don't read drunk at gmail.com. Also check out my website at don't read drunk.buzzsprout.com. This is a hobby podcast. So anything you can do to help support is appreciated. You can make a one-time donation on PayPal at my email. Don't read drunk at gmail.com. You can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don't read drunk. Thank you so much to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sun Up, who created the music. You can find Aaron and One Up Till Sun Up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. They have also opened up a new coffee shop, Supernova, it is called. It's downtown Milwaukee. That opens Friday, so make sure you check that out. And they will have homemade donuts. So I am excited to try some of their donuts. Next episode, we'll be talking about Fiona and Jane by Jean Chen Ho. Bye, and talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.